When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First of all, I need to apologize for um, <laughs> the three-hour viewing, which I couldn't fully sit through in one go. I had to break it up over the course of three days. Welcome back to Open Form. I'm Michael Denzel Smith. Childhood friends Rafe and Danny dream of becoming fighter pilots. They spend their boyhood days in Tennessee pretending to be World War I pilots shooting down German warplanes. In 1941, they are service members in the U.S. Navy. But with World War II intensifying in Europe, Rafe enlisted to join a British squadron to help in the war effort. But not before he meets Evelyn, a friendly nurse who he falls for very quickly. While he is away, Rafe and Evelyn correspond through letters until he is shot down and presumed dead. While consoling each other for having both lost Rafe, Danny and Evelyn begin a romantic affair. But Rafe is not dead, though he comes home to find his best friend and lover have betrayed him. Then, the Japanese Navy attacks the U.S. naval base at Pearl Harbor. This week's film is Pearl Harbor, and it was chosen by Joseph Hahn, a National Book Foundation 535 honoree and author of the forthcoming novel, Nuclear Family. Yeah, I picked this film because I'm very much interested in the way... War is so a part of our American imagination mm-hmm. and education. Yes. Um, I remember watching this film when I was 10. Um, it was showing at the new Ward Theater, which just opened mm-hmm. um, in Hawaii. Uh, the first movie I saw there was Shrek. And then the next movie I saw was Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Harbor. Okay. <laughs> and when I was watching it, I remember just feeling so enamored by the romance, Mm -hmm. um, uh, very moved by the portrayal of the violence that occurred in Hawaii. I think it was such a, it was such a big movie moment for Hawaii to go see this Mm -hmm. film. And I've been reflecting a lot on the kind of impact that war movies continue to have on um, or as a site to recruit generations into kind of purchasing into um, the the American goal or the American narrative that we are protectors and mm-hmm. saviors and martyrs, and it is our um, military might and presence across the world that secures our safety and our freedom, no matter the cost, um, uh, no matter the cost to um, the lives that are ultimately sacrificed Mm -hmm. in the name of war, uh, no matter the cost to the planet, as we're seeing right now with um, the Department of Defense being one of the largest contributors to climate change and having Mm -hmm. many Superfund sites across the world 
Um, and yeah, how war movies continue to be a rationale for this kind of global occupation uh, with, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, you you chose this, and I I had never seen it actually. Um, uh, and in in my memory of it, or or remembering that it came out in two thousand one, like I was just convinced that it had to have come out after September eleventh, right? Like that this this it seemed like. That's the only, that that was the only rationale that I could have for it having been as big of a movie as it was. Um, but it came out that summer, or like at the very beginning of of summer that year, and it was this huge movie. And I I, I think you know there's so many different things wrapped up in that, right? So it's like there, the only other depiction of Pearl Harbor in sort of like this sweeping epic is like Tora Tora Tora, right? I I think that that's accurate yeah. enough to say. Um, but it's also ingrained in the national consciousness that, you know, whatever about the, the day that, you know, we'll, we'll always remember or whatever, yeah. whatever this phrase is or, um, day that will live in infamy. Uh, and, and it's just like, this is the thing that like turn the tide for American history, right? Like this is the moment we enter the global stage as the superpower and all of this stuff. And it's like, it's such a, like, it presents in uh, both like uh, our cultural context and in the film as like this noble origin story whereby because we were attacked, (laughs) because we were like, we fell victim to the Japanese. Therefore we emerged as like, like like they say in the film, which apparently is a a line a Japanese general says in the film and is a line borrowed from Tora, 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 that they awakened a sleeping giant or sleeping dragon Mm. or something along those lines. And it, and it's like the, the need to continue that story to like, because of your own myth making, right? Like, like, sort of what you're saying is that the dependence on, uh, to on remaking American military might not as an imperial force, but as something that is a global protector. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was even that moment where the British pilots or general uh, tells Rafe, oh, if they have, pi- if Americans have pilots like you, no one will want to mess with America. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I've been thinking a lot about what uh, Viet Thanh Nguyen says in his book, uh, Nothing Ever Dies, that mm-hmm. wars are fought twice, uh, once on the battlefield and again in memory. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, Pearl Harbor is just straight up propaganda in that way um and creating a or falling in line in that large tradition of war films as always pointing to our heroes um as our saviors um you know them being the most noble to enlist and that this is the highest form of um american duty that one can possibly undergo and even from the outset of the film, we see 
Rafe and Danny play acting mm-hmm. and rehearsing um, for war, pretending like they're in World War One. And um, yeah, I, I just imagine, or I think about how um, Michael Bay, um, who I was surprised to realize made this movie. You were surprised? Um, or I fully forgot about it, um, but totally in line with, you know, his whole thing. Yeah. Um, and even with like the way in which the military is often recruited in even the Transformer movies mm. to fight alongside and participate in um, these battles um, against alien invasion mm-hmm. and, you know, just how that speaks to the larger American anxiety about invasion and who stands to protect the world from the, the threat that is out there as a story that counters the our reality that mm. the U.S. military is currently posing itself as the largest threat to the planet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about this film as propaganda, as an advertisement um, for tourism to Hawaii and to visiting Pearl Harbor as this interactive memorial site where you can reflect on and think about U.S. sacrifice totally forget that you know you're on hawaiian land right. and the, um the violence that the u.s has brought to hawaii and that you know hawaii and pearl harbor was only ever a threat because of u.s occupation in the islands yeah that's something that's just totally glossed over right like you we can be like okay hawaii does become a state at some point and there's just like so many fucked up things that come before that in order to make that happen but at the time of pearl harbor it's not it is this is just a military base established in a colony And, and it's and it's like so the threat to hawaii becomes comes via u.s imperial like ambition so there's there's no so so the idea that like we were just sitting there minding our own business it's like no you were already as the u.s government and u.s military engaged in this imperialist project and like brought brought it's it will upset yeah. so many people. It's like it you brought that on on yourself in a very Malcolm X chicken come home to roost kind of <laughs> moment. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Take him over there. Take the burn victims by the tree. I just found her. I, I don't. I don't think she's breathing. No, she's dead. Take her. But it's so interesting you brought up the, the the beginning of this film because it's because so much of what happens when we like when filmmakers make these historical films and like historical epics especially that like we have to compare it against actual history right like we we want to know what what are they taking license with it's not something that i'm totally concerned with like for for the most part but it is something that like when film becomes sort of the historical record and the cultural memory of something you kind of need to take seriously because like that's the way that we didn't talk about something but anyway that's a bit of a tangent but like 
the beginning of the film, they're playing as boys, Danny and Rafe, the, the main characters here, playing as like World War One soldiers fighting the Germans. I find it very interesting, like what they have to do in order to make this possible, because it's 1923. And from what I read, the plane that they're in, like, there's no commercial crop dusting in those kind of planes <laughs> until 1937. So you have to invent a whole, like, you know, you, there, there has yeah. to be so much invention to keep the myth going. And it's like, so why do this if you have to, like, you have to invent new lies in order to keep the one lie afloat? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, the list goes on as, as far as the all of the historical inaccuracies. Um, one of them that I also picked up on was that the um, hospital was not actually one of the yeah. bombing sites. And they totally played up, um, or they set that up to portray the death of one of the soldiers' um, yeah. fiancés, new, newly um, proposed to fiancé. Um, but yeah, as, as far as um, films being history lessons or um, purporting to teach us about what actually happened, um, I was really struck by um, the depiction of newsreels mm. uh, in the theater. And that's where we see Evelyn react to and get triggered by what she's witnessing mm-hmm. um, and how these newsreels kind of became... Uh, movie trailers and themselves of what was going on Mm -hmm. um, during wartime. And then we also have the cameraman who is filming and filming the attack. And Mm -hmm. there was like this very seamless transition between what the cameraman is filming to then what um, the movie is then depicting. And I felt like that was suggesting that, you know, you're getting the front row seat to what happened and this is how it went down yeah um even when it comes to uh i believe it was rafe on the sinking um arizona uh grabbing the hands of the the soldiers who were trapped inside and really putting you there to grapple with the um the tragedy of the situation um all very subtle and very manipulative Mm -hmm. moves that I think the movie takes um, to bring you down, bring you to Pearl Harbor and to put yourself in the position of, in a bunch of different positions. Um, We even get the point of view of following one of the first missiles that hits um, one of the ships. Um, Yeah. Yeah bunch of choices were made there's a lot of choices made and like it's interesting <laughs> that you 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 bring up that that scene where um evelyn and, and danny also they go to the the movie theater and mm-hmm. they're seeing this newsreel i found it very interesting what film they were going to see they're going mm. to see the great dictator like the charlie <laughs> chaplin film that's an anti-war film though he delivers mm. that speech at the end that's this like classic anti-war speech now right like and it you know it's almost divorced from the film in so many ways um and it's but it's like our main characters don't sit through that film 
right? Like yeah, they they leave. <laughs> they leave, so they're not getting an anti-war message. So it's it's almost as if there's there's like this sneaky way of saying, okay, there was this other perspective, right? Like there's this other perspective out there, but in order to maintain their like Americanness in in um, in a way like our main characters our heroes can't be subject to that perspective they cannot be witness to it because mm. otherwise they would question a lot of the things that they themselves are doing and participating in and it's like again part of that myth making where where it's like if if you allow any other perspective to alter your sense of what your duty is as an American, and particularly mm-hmm. as an American military member, then you are derelict in your duty to America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I remember just leaving the fel- leaving the theater as a kid feeling like just so grateful mm. um grateful that we fought back <laughs> grateful that the destruction didn't encompass the entire island and i was just so amazed that i was living so close to where such a quote unquote um big tragedy mm. happened um, and like you said, it was the turning point and call to arms for the U.S. to participate, even though it was already gearing up to not only supply and fund the war, but just waiting to make that move. And this was yeah. um, the best excuse to do so. Um, and then, you know, reflecting on how I felt so grateful um, that um, there was you know, this... Um, this narrative of sacrifice and martyrdom and that Hawaii had endured such violence. Mm. And, you know, as I grew up, I then learned about the Korean war and Mm. Korean history and what, what violence the U S brought there um, with, you know, indiscriminate carpet bombings of the Northern peninsula, um, just totally decimating um, all of the Korean peninsula leading to, um, up to 5 million casualties. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pearl Harbor, um, there were, I think, up to 3,000 casualties of American military personnel. Um, and the Korean War is often framed as the Forgotten War for many mm-hmm. reasons. And we also don't see that story um, in American media portrayed at all. And I don't think there are many films about the Korean War. So there is a very selective, our, our, mem- our American memory is very selective in that it chooses to veer toward our nostalgic innocence mm-hmm. um, and, you know, innocence as it then is able to recruit the next generation to then think and practice and play at war you know as kids at home um yeah i feel like there it's just this um coming of age tradition to be interested and invested in um being american by way of playing at war Um, and i think the film and uh, michael bay with his wanting to 
make this a PG-13 movie um, to make sure that kids could see it mm -hmm. was all a part of that um, process of recruiting future soldiers, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think in there's this like a, a sm very small subplot that seems like it's supposed to be more important than it actually is to the film, which the film is just all over the place. It's just, it's, it, it's really all over the place. It's like, this is a film about Pearl Harbor and like the attack doesn't happen until like two hours in or something. Like yeah. that. It's just, there, there's just a lot of filmmaking things that are, are pro like probably, but the 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 storyline of uh, Cuba getting Junior's character, right? Yes, and an I actual figure, yeah. right? Like an actual figure, but it's like he's in three scenes, maybe all together, and his heroic like scene is him shooting down some of the the Japanese yeah. fighter planes after like the bombing has started, and we've seen him like be he's the cook and he's just like lamenting how they won't let him fire a weapon or whatever. And he gets his chance to do so. And I watch that as like, I see this, the one other black character, because the other black character is FDR's caretaker. Mm -hmm. um, that is supposed to be heroic. And like, that's my, that's supposed to be my point of identification. Right. And it, it's mm -hmm. like, I'm supposed to be like, hell yeah, he got his moment. He was able to be part of the good fight. And it's like, it's exactly what you're saying in that recruitment. It's happening across these sort of, like these, these different lines where it's like, no, you white women have a place here as well. Like obviously white men, like you've got, you've got your place. Black men, you're, you're, you can actually overcome the odds here and, and do this. And it's interesting just in positioning that because like obviously we're dealing with an actual historical event but there's no consideration even then of like what this film would mean to be watching it as someone who's Japanese, Japanese American or Asian American more like <laughs> generally in that like You've got this one film that's ha like, in this film that's happening. You've got this like love story, love triangle, like human being like approximations because the script is so bad that there's just so like, bad. The <laughs> that they're approximating humanness. <laughs> but then on the other side, it's a continuation of the depiction of specifically Japanese Americans in film, where it's just like. They're warlike, they're, they're cold, they're unfeeling, and they're just here to destroy. And it's just like, so there, there's, a, there's even a limitation to that recruitment, right? Like it's still an otherizing and still an identification of an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I've been thinking about how this is a Disney production as well. <laughs> Yeah, Cuba getting Junior walked so Don Cheadle could fly as as War Machine in the Marvel universe. Um, oh man! Yeah, the the depictions of the Japanese military and empire and their planning um, was just so outrageous. Yeah, um, but also in contrast to the U.S. military um, uh, personnel 
trying to figure out mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Um, was it Dan Aykroyd being the one that... Dan Aykroyd's in this picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to just to see all these familiar faces. Michael Shannon um, before he really took off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Alec Baldwin's in here. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really interesting. It's interesting <laughs> then, like, because there's, like, some, like, Alec Baldwin, Michael Shannon, these are talented actors, but our leads are Josh Hartnett and Ben <laughs> Affleck, who are not talented actors at all. Yeah. And just, like, given terrible material to work with, they already have their limitations as actors, <laughs> and then they've given, they're giving nothing to work with, and it's just, like, whew, it's a slog for those three hours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all to pay off in Danny's death at the end of yes. the film, which is, there's more intimacy and love in that scene than I felt in either of their respected relationships with Evelyn. Yes. Um, and even the framing of Danny holding or excuse me, Rafe holding Danny and their faces are so close. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Kiss already. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, please, please. Cause it, it's like, they would never, they, Michael Bay would have never, but <laughs> it is like, like, that's what's being intimated here is that yes. like, this is the important relationship and this is like, and it's like this brotherhood, brotherhood. and yeah. all of this stuff. And it's like, why couldn't they be romantically linked? You're making this up already. Like you're already making it up. Like just let them have their romance. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed, yeah, it was always about Rafe and Danny. Evelyn was just the, mediator uh, yeah she mediated their relationship yeah. and even strengthened it upon Rafe's return and his lashing out at his betrayal because Evelyn was supposed to wait for him and do her duty and as a um a partner to the soldier abroad yeah. even playing on the the tropes of the fat romance and military stories um waiting for the loved one to return, whether they'll make it, come back. Um, But... She had known him a month. She had known him a month. (laughs) Sorry. She had known him a month. And she was supposed to wait. (laughs) She had known him all of a month. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, (laughs) there's some weird... A lot of weird lines. Like, I remember Rave saying, like... You know, I need to. I need to be a pilot. I need to go out there. I think this is when he's deciding to join the British mm-hmm. um, Air Force or fleet, and he's like, "I don't want to." By the time I'm 25, I'm going to be an old man. <laughs> yes, yes. The part that I cracked up, I just like couldn't take it. Is he's writing a letter to Evelyn back home. Now, there's some things a little unexplained about how he struggled with all of his reading for so long and that like she even helped him through his like eye exam that he was failing, but suddenly he's just sitting down and writing le- letters fluently with, with, letter with no letter. no help whatsoever. There's some there's some disconnect <laughs> here between one <laughs> But he writes a letter and he says something to the effect of it's different than I thought it would be here. 
it's cold. It's cold. And I just couldn't help. Like, I cracked up because I was just like, wait, you're, you're, the cold? You're cold? This is the most important thing that you're telling her right now is that you are cold. You are in England and you are cold. This is what's going on in your life. I could not take it. I was like, somebody got paid actual money to write these these words down as dialogue. It was... <laughs> Do not tell me. It can't be done. Japan continues its military conquest throughout the Pacific. But back home, millions of American workers band together, bringing factories to life to avenge Pearl Harbor. Yeah, now uh, Danny repeats that same refrain when he's dying. Cold. So cold. Yes, he did. He did. He did. He did. Uh, I guess, it's like, we're laughing about this, and I guess my question, because you bring it up, it is a piece of propaganda. It's like, maybe it's because we are people who are already critical of the apparatus. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious how effective this is as a piece of propaganda when, like, you have just so much surrounding all of that, all of what we're supposed to take away, right, of this nobility, of service in the military, in the U.S., and being a protector and all of that. Like, how effective is all of that propagandizing when everything else around it just feels so wooden, Mm. Yeah, um, I think the main thing is that any evocation of Hawaii will bring up Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. um, and any reference to Pearl Harbor will immediately conjure our understanding of the attack on yeah. Pearl Harbor, totally eluding the history of what Pearl Harbor was prior to US, the U.S. overthrow. Um, of the Hawaiian Kingdom in 1893 and how the U.S. Navy backed that overthrow Mm -hmm. and pointed their guns um, toward the Queen and colluded with um, sugar barons um, in order to stake a claim to Hawaii for their strategic military purposes. Um, There was a moment where Danny is flying with Evelyn and he's like, um, the Hawaiians called this harbor Waimomi um, uh, because it was a harbor of pearls. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the only reference we get yeah. toward what Pearl Harbor was prior to it being um, a military base. And actually in 1872, it was Major General John Schofield who came to Hawaii disguised as a tourist um, to do a secret military survey of the islands. And he went up, I believe, to where um, Camp Smith is, Mm. um, which is um, um, up up close, um, yeah, like up to where you can see a whole view um, of the Mm -hmm. harbor. And that's where he saw the potential for U.S., um, the U.S. naval operation to be based um, at Pu'uloa, which mm-hmm. is the 
name of the Hawaiian name for Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And that's when he decided that this is the key to the Central Pacific. And this is the gem of these islands. Um, and uh, Pu'uloa was, is, uh, very, was once a very abundant place. Um, it has many bays. It was a place where there were many pearl oysters, fish, uh, shellfish. Um, it was a big agricultural and aquacultural resource for Hawaii. Mm. And it had maybe like up to 30 fish ponds um, mm. in the area and was basically this large food basket for um, the island of Oahu. Um, and all of that got uh, replaced by um, the military um, and they totally uh, repurposed what once was a generative and abundant place to be a site for war making and preparing for war and all of that history is erased effectively yeah. um, by creating this association with Pearl Harbor and Hawaii with American redemption mm. um, and yeah yeah Uh, Joseph, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from Pearl Harbor? There's this really quick shot. Um, it's when uh, Rafe and Danny are done shooting down the planes and they come mm-hmm. down to meet Evelyn in the hospital and there's just chaos um, all around her and they ask her what they can do and she says they need they need blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and dot of the two of their blood and if that is not a perfect metaphor or symbol for what we are being packaged the blood and sacrifice of our heroes in a way that we can consume commercially (laughs) and just absolutely devour and yeah eat up (laughs) yeah yeah Um, yeah. that it for me that was the whole movie uh, summed up in that one image for me. <laughs> but it's like, okay, you need large quantities of blood. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me someone's going to be there swapping out bottle after bottle of Coca Cola. <laughs> and it's like, let's just focus on how iconic this image would be, but forgo any kind of logistical. And just like any sense of like nuance or like it's it's very literal. <laughs> oh man. Joseph, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Michael. This was amazing. Thanks for listening to Open Forum, a podcast from LitHub Radio, produced by Eliza Smith and Justin Alvarez, and hosted by me, Michael Dental Smith. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe to Open Forum wherever you get your podcasts, and or sign up for the LitHub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes. 
If you're enjoying what you hear, share Open Forum with a friend or on social media. Next week, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday. I think you know where this is going. <laughs>